Hello again, everybody. I'm Carly Chardonnay-Webb, and this is the Transporter Room, the intersection of sports, transness, sci-fi, gaming, all things nerd and geek, and a lot of other stuff, and simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Yes, it's Christmas week. Joy to you all. Joy to everyone. No matter what holiday you celebrate in this season, may it be a season of togetherness, joy, and peace. And this week in Outsports, we're making a list, we're checking it twice, and we're looking at who was naughty and nice in this sports year of inclusion of 2021. Next week, we unveil our year-end Outsports Awards, and the editorial staff, including myself, have looked hard at this year. And what a year it's been. And it started with our former managing editor, Don Ennis, saying, here's a great way to start 2021, come out. And quite a few people in sports did just that. The biggest, perhaps, was in June. A guy named Carl Nassib. Maybe you heard of him. Plays for the Las Vegas Raiders. But alongside Carl has been a wave of inclusion that has continued from the high schools to the college ranks and into pro and elite sport. Each of the major men's professional sports have a player now who is out at some level of the professional game. We saw non-binary athletes step to the fore and tell their stories from Laisha Clarendon, the WNBA vet, who boldly affirmed himself in her truth, and they became a fan favorite on a franchise well used to winning. And of course, there was Tokyo. Yes, Tokyo. 175 out athletes competed for Olympic medals. 56 from 30 nations, and that includes all the team sports medalists, came home with one, 21 gold medal winners, and a world record holder, plus the first trans and non-binary medal winner, Quinn for Canada, gold medal women's soccer, and the first transgender woman to compete in Olympic history, Laurel Hubbard, New Zealand, weightlifting. Overall, Team LGBTQ was seventh in the medal count. And the Paralympics was pretty good too. 36 out Paralympians, 19 medal winners. The headliner was Britain's Lee Pearson. Three gold medals in dressage competition, 14 golds for a great career. And along the way, this show changed. I became a solo act here at the Transporter Room, and my first show as a solo act was on May 19th. And I had a group from the Pool for Pride Strength Sports Scholarship Fund on board. Remember that because that's going to be important in a few minutes. Some of the other news this week. USA Basketball unveiled the new head coach for the women's program. Cheryl Reeve, the current head coach for the Minnesota Lynx, will lead the charge for yet another gold in Paris in 2024. Coach Reeve, little note. Candace Parker recently came out publicly. Sid Ziegler did a great article on this on In Out Sports. Coach Reeve, wouldn't be a bad idea. Do you know what? Call Candace, say a little congratulations, and let her know that in 2024, we are not leaving you behind if you want to play. Hashtag just saying. Also, read Sid's article on Candace. It's really good. Another article worth reading, Jack Hessler, Snowboarder. Wrote the coming out story. We've had many of those in Outsports over the years. You'll want to read his. A lot of great articles this week. 
Alex Reimer had some. Jim Budzinski had some. Shelby had some. I had some. So check them out when you get a chance. But I want to talk about an article in a different outlet at this moment. Swimmingworldmagazine.com. Now, they cover swimming front to back, right, left, and center. And their editor-in-chief, John Lon, has had some opinions about the situation involving University of Pennsylvania swimmer Leah Thomas. Now, John is the editor-in-chief of Swimming World magazine. And on December 8th, at the time when the story was really breaking, he wrote an editorial calling for an urgent need for civility and humanity in discussing these issues. And I like that article. The next day, he wrote an article talking about how it would be, quote, unfair for Thomas to race in the NCAA championships in March, championships that she's already qualified for. Now, I read the article from beginning to end, and I disagree with 100% of his assessment. I disagree with it. But I respect the fact in how he laid out his arguments and how he laid out the article. As much as I disagreed with him, Thomas was never misgendered, never demeaned. It seems like he was living up to what he wrote on December 8th. And for that, I salute him. But then the other articles came out about how swimmers on the team who were remaining nameless and anonymous were talking about how the team doesn't like that Thomas is there. And they were going to other outlets, and they were reported. Now, now it seems a group of parents representing the program have reportedly sent a letter to the NCAA saying that the NCAA needs to do something because Thomas should be illegal, etc. There's a lot of other things that were said. A lot of it was on the Daily Mail. And we know how the Daily Mail can be. However, it was an article in SwimmingWorldMagazine.com that hit on Sunday, December 19th, that raised my eyebrow. And the title was, quote, Without NCAA action, the effects of Leah Thomas's situation are akin to doping. Oh, there's more. The article begins not with discussing Leah, but discussing some different names. Names that are infamous. Names like Cornelia Ender. And Kristen Otto, Michelle Smith. The first two names were from the German Democratic Republic, and they were part of their now infamous and well known program of doping athletes in elite swimming. Now, we all agree as athletes, as sports fans, as journalists, that we don't like doping. Dopers suck, dopers are cheaters. We get that. But this article spends most of the article talking about that and then gets to Leah Thomas. And the article equates Thomas, a college athlete who has competed following the NCAA's rules to the letter, fully legal by every metric and every rule of the NCAA. This article essentially places her in the same league as intentional rule breakers and drug cheats. Now, Lon tries to clean this up. He says in the article, and I quote, let's get this out of the way. 
because some readers will argue we are calling Leah Thomas a doper, regardless of the information presented and the selective verbiage that is not the case, there is no intent. Wrong, sir. Wrong. Regardless of the information presented and the selective verbiage. Congratulations, you told on yourself. Maybe you need to consider the information and the verbiage. Because even though you tried to say there's not a case and there's not an intent, sorry, when you lay down the case that equates her to doping, by definition, you're calling her a cheater. It's not about intent, it's about action. And ultimately, that's the action here. The same disclaimer goes on to say, quote, while we are stating this, the effects of being born a biological male, once again, another what I call soft bigot misgendering, passive aggressive misgendering, quote, what we are stating is that the effects of being born a biological male as they relate to the sport of swimming offer Thomas a clear-cut edge over the biological females against whom she, com she is competing. She is stronger. It is that simple, and this strength is beneficial to her stroke, her turns into her endurance. Doping has the same effect. Two things. Again, one, biological male, that's just passive-aggressive, soft, bigot misgendering. I always believe if you're going to misgender a transgender person, don't mess around with it. Go for the gold, because basically it's what you're doing. And the rest of it is seeming just basically saying, ooh, look, there's a man competing with the women. and by bringing doping into it, you're basically calling her a cheater. Again, it's not about intent. Ultimately, it's about what is the effect, and that's the effect here. Why even bring doping into it if that's not your intent? Overall, what this article seems to tell me is that I misjudged the editor-in-chief of SwimmingWorldMagazine.com. My Christmas wish for you, sir, is perhaps another carton of that milk of human kindness and civility you talked about in that column back in December 8th. Because I think you bought the milk, you opened it, you took a sip, then you put it back in the fridge, forgot to close it, and you let that milk spoil pretty quick. I don't think you're unreclaimable, sir. But this last article, it makes me wonder. Now, to all the willful transphobes, and you know who you are, coal in your stockings. Because I think the milk of human kindness has been long lost on you. Some other gifts. My Christmas wish to Chris Mosier a speedy recovery on your road back. And I look forward to seeing you in some competitions or whatever you choose to do next in 2022. Carl Nassib, my Christmas wish is a playoff appearance. Just not one against my Steelers, please. To Colorado State tight end and Mackey Award winner Trey McBride, an NFL team jersey with a one on it at the NFL draft in April. I sincerely hope you're holding one up as a first round pick. To college basketball coach Lane Ingram, who's also a friend of the podcast, a Michigan win over Georgia on the 31st. And to me, a PlayStation 5 because I owe Coach Lingram a Call of Duty showdown and it's going to happen in 2022. To Mexico soccer, fans who are smart enough to realize that maybe, just maybe, root for your own team instead of using 
homophobic slurs against the other team. The World Cup bid you save may be your own. To University of Cincinnati Bearcats football. A streaming feed of a lot of feel-good sports movies for inspiration heading into your college football playoff semifinal against Alabama. To John Kell Jones, a trip to the NBA Finals that you're playing in next year. I'd like to see the reigning WNBA MVP have a chance to kick the door in for the Connecticut Sun. To Haley Davidson, a Symmetra Tour win next season, a wild card entry in an LPGA Tour event in 2022, and a Tour card for 2023. To Charlie Martin of Fast Praga, a lot of wins and a seat in a race car with you in a crash helmet at Le Mans, June 11th and 12th next year, going twice around the clock. To Patricio Manuel, a signed deal for a fight in 2022. To Alana McLaughlin, the same gift. To Christina Carl, a sunny day, lots of baseball, and a note from me saying, hey, how about those Royals after my Royals clinch a pennant? Yeah, a girl can dream. To Cece Telfer, her Diamond League debut in 2022. To Sue Bird, opening day in uniform for the Seattle Storm for one last ride. To Team LGBTQ heading to the Winter Olympics in Beijing in a couple months. Kapla, success, medals, let's keep this ride going. To trans youth across America and many of those in states fighting these ridiculous bills that are being passed around like so much candy, additional courage. Also to Leah Thomas, the same gift, courage, as you head into the next part of the swim season. To Chase Strangio, every legislature having these ridiculous bills getting smart and realizing that the last thing they want to do in 2022 is face you in a courtroom so maybe just maybe you can have a well-deserved rest and to everybody peace good health and goodwill towards all of us so say we all and that's the red alert which means we're taking a break give a little christmas cheer to our sponsors but when we come back Pool for Pride were my first guest when I was a solo act, and some of their 2021 scholarship winners join me next. I'm Carly Chardonnay-Webb. This is the Transporter Room. Stay with us. And welcome back to the Transporter Room. I'm your host, Carly Chardonnay-Webb. And I'm proud to write for OutSports. I'm proud to do this podcast. But I'm also proud of something else. I'm proud to be a part of the scholarship committee for Pool for Pride and the Women's Strength Coalition. And this year was the second year of the Pool for Pride scholarship program. The idea behind the Pool for Pride scholarship is to give a boost up to LGBTQ strength athletes who are trying to further themselves in their fitness goals or competition goals. 
and furthering themselves in a sport that isn't always friendly to our Rainbow Nation. Last year's scholarship had maybe $2,200 in total funds to give out to six athletes. But thanks to a lot of generosity and a lot of hard work of people like Mary Gregory, Brianna Diaz, and J.C. Cooper, what was $2,000 in 2020 became over $10,000 in 2021. They increased the total amount we could give for scholarships five times, and the number of athletes that we were able to aid grew from six to 24. And that's something to be proud of. And today, three of the 24 scholarship recipients are coming on to join us. And we're going to beam them up right now. Meet three of the Pool for Pride scholarship winners. Congratulations, Energize. Hello. Hello. Everybody, first off, congratulations to all three of you. And congratulations to the 21 other scholarship winners as well. You know, I'm not going to introduce you to the people you are. So let's meet the three who are with us today. I can go first. Um, Y'all go right ahead. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm GRL Epiphany. I use these and their pronouns. Um, I am 27 and I live in Philly and I'm really happy to be here and excited to have received uh, this grant and be able to use it for my goals and strength. Um, I'm still very new into uh, lifting and um, really proud that I was among one of the 24 people chosen. I can go next. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for having me on here. My name is Taylor Selman. Um, I'm a 21-year-old college student living in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, in my college town. Um, I'm a powerlifter. I've been powerlifting for about uh, probably five years now, and I started my transition about a year and a half ago. So it's been fun. Um, and the Pool for Pride scholarship really helped me, it helped me get back on the platform since I, for the first time since I started Hormone. So it was a big, it was a big meet. It was um, really happy to be here. Uh, hey everyone, I'm Afton. Uh, she, her. I'm uh, 40 years old, live in Virginia, and uh, power lifter as well. I also play uh, women's flat track roller derby with River City Roller Derby, as well as Virginia All Stars. Uh, and I am actually a sponsored park skater, uh, aggressive quad skater. It's good to have you all here. Number one, congratulations for the work you've put in, for applying for the scholarship, and for receiving it. I'm going to actually start. Taylor, I'm going to start with you. What was it like for you when you found out that not only did you apply for this thing, you've gotten this thing. You got what you asked for. How did you feel about that? Um, it was kind of surreal. Uh, like I said, I, I was competing with the USAPL before I started hormones and I I'm on the club powerlifting team at my university. I'm actually the president of the club powerlifting team. So 
like i don't know it was it was kind of hard to watch everybody compete you know and i didn't really know i didn't have the financial means i didn't know the next steps i could take to compete again and like when i found out about the the scholarship and when i found out you know about um next steps i could take competing it was kind of like a no-brainer to apply and i was like you know i'll apply let's see if i get it and i found out i got it and it was like a huge thing you know like anything over 20 bucks to me a college student is like huge so like this was like it was it was really legit i you know got new powerlifting stuff for the first time in like five years and it was like christmas came and like i was at practice and people were like oh you get new squat shoes and i was like yeah like i got this sweet like scholarship you know like uh, you know i was really living living my best life <laughs> yeah. Now, Taylor, where are you competing? You said you're the president of your powerlifting club. Where where are you competing? Um, I'm a USPA powerlifter. I go to Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. So I'm really just competing in the, the Ohio region. I actually met one of the other Pull for Pride scholarship winners at a USPA meet in March, or not March, um, a couple, like a month ago. Um, it was pretty cool. <laughs> Diario, how about you? What was it like for you to get this scholarship? Uh, it was, well, I was completely like thrown aback because like, I think, especially in the, the space of the whole like pandemic, like asking or finding grants that actually apply to me, um, that could help me, especially in something that was so new to me, uh, was not even anything that I was aware was possible. Um, least of all with the expectation of actually getting it. Um, I had only started lifting about five months ago. Um, my coach and friend, Olivia Lux, is actually a trans um, skater and lifter here in Philly. And we met because of the skate group that I started here in Philly. And uh, I was always really excited or interested in lifting it was just something i was just like seeing other people do and was like oh like i feel like i could do that or i would really enjoy doing that and i'm kind of just generally curious about trying a lot of things um and like you know always was interested in gymnastics and like other strength sports um and so when i met olivia i was really excited about this and i was like okay i'm gonna do it and i and then we started um and I think I just got like the high of like a, accomplishing something. And uh, Eric, uh, Olivia was like, you know, if you keep doing this, you have a strong start, you could start competing. And I'm Aries' son. So I was like, oh, I can compete and like do well. Of course, I'm going to want to do that. So I was just like really stoked about it. And uh, she also told me about the the Pulver Pride um, grant, and I was I kind of just applied on a whim. I didn't think I was going to get it, especially since I like don't really have any like standing in like um, competitions, or you know I haven't done any of that. I'm really just getting started, um, so I didn't have any expectations, and I actually got it, and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is surreal, and I can actually start, you know getting myself the support that I need. I like the first thing I got was like a lifting belt. And so I'm like really excited about it and um, being able to get supplies and resources to like start going to competitions, you know, should I want to do that, which I do. Um, so, you know, I was really excited and I'm so happy that that, that happened. Afton, 
in a lot of ways, seeing that you you compete in roller derby and you compete you compete in line, compete in roller derby, this is old hat for you. But still, what was it like to get this scholarship? It was it was really cool. Um, honestly, I had at that point I had forgotten I had even applied to it, <laughs> um, and I'm not like I don't compete or have any ambition to compete in weightlifting per se. Um, and we can talk about it later, just because being a trans woman, uh, there's a lot of negativity that you will be onslaughted with. Oh, trust if you try and get compete. To that. Um, in most categories. So, uh, but I do, like you said, I do compete in roller derby and that kind of stuff. So, um, losing roller derby in the beginning of COVID has really like pushed me towards weightlifting. And since I've been very heavily into weightlifting, I've noticed a massive change in my skating and how smooth it is. And, um, just how much more controlled I am on my skates. So, uh, to be able to further like getting into weightlifting with this scholarship is it honestly means everything to me. Cause I can, I can take my skating to the next level for all of you and all of you just ring in free for all. What has getting stronger, getting more fit, how has it added to the things you're into, and how has it added to your life as a whole? For me, um, it's added quite a bit. So when I first started going to the gym that I'm at now, um, I was kind of like, you know, that the quote, like, fake it till you make it. Like, that's kind of how I, I felt because, like, it was the first time I'd actually been into a gym since being out as trans. And I, I think I'm close to like four years on publicly out and on hormones. Um, and so, you know, going in there, I, I was very cautious about like, where, where's the gym going to stand? Uh, like, you know, dressing rooms. What if I have to use the restroom when I'm there working out? Um, but like, I slowly, like the, the more that I was there, there were several people that like would smile at me as we're working out or like passing by each other that we've seen like several times in the gym. Uh, I noticed that I gained a lot more confidence and like, I don't know if it was just the, the muscle and the confidence combined, but like, as I started growing, you know, I could see that like, even my posture was being um, corrected. Like I would just hold myself a little bit higher and not like hunch over and like eyes down. Like I would like, a little bit more to the point where I'm strong enough to, to make eye contact as I'm walking around out in public. It's, uh, it, it's honestly, it's night and day. Like I try and tell everybody that skates and that's really passionate about like getting into the skate world. Like lifting is the, probably the best thing you could ever do just because it's going to completely change the way you skate. Now, Taylor, I know that hey, being fit, being fit is not only of just a piece of like what you like to do. It's a, it's a piece of your major at Miami, public health and gerontology. Now, how has your sport influenced your course of study? You know, I I actually I don't know. I I mean I've been interested in powerlifting since before I even declared my major at Miami, but um, or but I feel like you know working 
I've done, I did a, some work with older adults over the summer and like a lot of the stuff we were do, doing was focused on like general health and wellness. And we were doing a segment on like falls prevention. And so like, then somebody, you know, just asked like, Oh, what are like easy exercises that I can do at home that will like help me to help my mobility and stuff and to prevent falls. And like, I don't know, that was kind of like the first time that I was able to like really see like an intersection of like weightlifting and powerlifting and like what I'm actually interested in studying. And then, so like, then I like, my brain started to going off and I was like, what if like somewhere in like later down the life, I like create a gym that's only for older adults, like, and like centered on like, you know, general health and wellness to, so you, one can like age more successfully, whatever that means to the person, but really like public, like weightlifting and powerlifting and learning about aging and how, what influences the body and to age well, like i don't know it just makes me more aware of the things that i'm actively doing whether it's exercise or like the foods that i'm putting in my body and like how that's gonna impact myself long term but also like right as like a trans person you know you don't really know what the long term can kind of be because you know it's kind of hard to look to the future, like look forward and see people that look like you that are like 70 and 80. So like a lot of like the way I think about aging is like thinking about how my identities are going to intersect to influence the way, the way I age. And then being in college, it's thinking about ways that I can change the world and change the way our healthcare system and health services are set up so that people that look like me and people that look like us are able to have access to resources at an earlier age and like, you know, help them age more successfully because of the, the, the life expectancy gap that we see for people that aren't white and cis, you know, the dominant groups in America. Now, now one thing, um, according to the bio with Miami powerlifting, you're an animal when it comes to squats, but I'm checking out these guns. <laughs> I'm, that's what I'm checking out. You you got swole everywhere. What's it like for you when you look just when you look in a mirror? Because you've been you joined the team in fall twenty and, and like you joined the team like three years ago. But what's it like? Take me through what the journey quickly what the journey was like for you from the time you started where you started and now where it's at where it's at now. Really, it's it's been crazy. Like when I first started powerlifting, it was it was like my senior year of high school, and that was really the first space that I felt like it really did not matter how much you you weighed because I was weighing like two twenty, and like I was assigned female and socialized as a female, so you know that weighing over two hundred pounds really brings on its own set of challenges. So powerlifting was the first space that I really felt like accepted. And then, you know, I started lifting and I started thinking about like the changes that my body was going. And that was kind of through that, I was kind of realizing that like, you know, maybe I want more of a masculine body <laughs> and like, maybe I, you know, I want to have top surgery and like, I want to like, look like, you know, these other people. So like when I started hormones and really started seeing like the changes and I had the, the the solid foundation from really like learning how to lift properly and like throughout high school and like being on the team for my freshman and sophomore year. And like, really, I was, I just like took off and it was crazy. And the support from my teammates has honestly been insane too. And it's, you know, I don't know, like it's really just mind blowing. And every day I look in the mirror and like, you know, like 
I see what has been in my mind since I was in high school and like it's finally matching up and it's honestly just surreal. Now, Diario, you're the rookie of the group because you said you've only started a, like really a few months ago. What got you to start? Because that's always the toughest thing for a lot of people. Like, and you know, since we're in that Christmas season, gym memberships are about to go through the roof again, and then people going to quit in two weeks. What made you start and what has made you continue? Um, honestly, I have like a very complicated like relationship with like fitness in general. Uh, and so like consistency is always the thing I'm like really down for it. But if I like skip one day, it falls out of my brain and out of my body and, you know, ADHD, I'm gone. Like, you know, and then it's three months and I try again later. Um, but like, I feel like a lot of things in the last year were very formative for me. And I was just very, uh, focused on doing all the things that I really wanted to do that I've kind of been neglecting, um, for myself. And, um, I, it was always something I talked about and was always interested in. And so, uh, like I said, when I met Olivia, um, at the, my skate group, uh, rolling with the homos, um, I was like, yeah, I definitely want to do this and I'm, I'm going to do it. And I feel like the consistency of having someone expecting me there, um, two, three days out of the week. And then also just really, enjoying the the process and the growth and being able to see like how much I've changed like uh what Afton was saying like the the way that it changes the way you skate and um generally like seeing the the changes in your body and being like this this is what I wanted to see this is getting closer to what I want to see and um all of those things just kind of wrapped up just like like I said, is the most gender affirming thing for me, but also like has really helped like my mental health. And like, even in those days where I'm like, I genuinely cannot get out of bed, but I still am like, well, if I, you know, don't do it this one day, like, yeah, I can take a break, but also it's like, I'm going to lose a little bit of that that I had worked so hard to gain. So, you know, and then usually when I end up going through it anyway, I'm like, oh, well, I'm happy I got out of bed, you know, like I'm happy I did the thing. Um, so like a lot of it is just, it's kept me going. So I'm, I keep doing it. Now, Diario, follow up to that. How has this process you've undergone as far as getting fit, being active, the skate group, getting into lifting. How's that been gender affirming for you? Um, I think in a lot of ways I was like prior to this, I moved like very early into um, the pandemic across country. Like I moved from Houston to Philly um, and it was to get out of Texas. And so um, I was like everything about like being in Philly um, has been transformative for me. Like, I started the group because I'm like, well, one, I don't know anyone here Two, I just started skating and I want to be able to like spend time with other people. And as a black trans person who was really just starting to like own my identity, because like at that point I'd been using they, them pronouns for like two years, 
but nobody I knew used them because I hadn't really told anybody. And I was still kind of processing what that means. And then, you know, the whole like denial phase of like, I'm just making this up, like, you know, kind of thing Um, from desocializing yourself to how you've been perceived and how you've perceived yourself through the eyes of others for your entire life. So like processing and breaking down all of that and then starting the skate group and meeting other trans people, especially trans people of color and, you know, like just hanging out and learning a new thing in a safe space, which is what I wanted in the first place. Um, Being able to just like authentically exist and try to learn a new thing and build a new skill and build connections in a time and a space where that was already a very difficult thing with not really being able to socialize. Skating was like one of the few things that you could do at a distance and like in, in the social situation, at least for us. Um, and so, yeah, do, doing all that really helped me and meeting other people it really helped me kind of start to process that like, you can have the identity, but you still have to figure out what that means for you. And for some reason, that was a thing that I just was like, yeah, non-binary, that's the thing. Wipe my hands up. Good. I did the thing. And so like meeting other people and kind of hearing their understanding and of, you know, their identity and how they got to that and making the decisions for top surgery or bottom surgery or like what that looks like in every aspect of your life and how you interact with other people and um, interact with other things. It's just like eye-opening. So I really had to sit with it. And when I started lifting and started seeing those changes, especially like what Afton was saying about like, you start walking more confidently and like you get to hold your, your head up a little bit higher and like you really start to see yourself and that was the thing that I feel like I kind of neglected just like you know looking in the mirror every day but not really seeing me so I was kind of just like this is a reflection of you know someone but it's not me um and then yeah and all of those things really played a huge role in me starting to see myself and I'm still in the process of being like well I'm close. I'm getting closer, but you know, I'm still, I'm still going somewhere. And you know, when I land, I know it's going to be great, but like right now I'm just on the journey and I'm having a great time now. It was rough earlier, but like, you know, it's, it's really nice and affirming and it's like, you know, I'm much happier than I feel like I've been in a really long time. So. Can I add? No, go ahead. Go after and go. Yeah, because as I was listening, one of the things that I forgot to to talk about um, is like it, it, it actually was a struggle at first when I started lifting and started seeing results because a lot of weightlifting is associated to male um, gender, yep. that kind of yep. thing. And so like, you know, I actually got asked a lot, like, if you claim to be a woman, why are you lifting like a man? And so, like, it really kind of hit me hard. And um, but doesn't that also kind of get get under your skin a little bit? Does that oh, kind of oh, like kind of get oh, get up on get up so again? It pisses hard. me because it pisses me off too. Because recently, I got back to the gym and really started getting into my resistance training more. Yes, there are yeah. four athletes on the stage today. Doesn't that doesn't that still doesn't that kind of stick in your craw a little bit? Why can't I be strong and 
Why can't I be the woman I affirm to be and be strong? Well, why does why does strength have a gender period? Right. Exactly. So it's just like, you know, um, it, it, it was a really difficult time when I first started, like, actually starting to see results. But, like, I think between the confidence and everything else that it gained, like, it actually gave me more confidence into who I am. Taylor, I want to throw this next one at you. For example, Diario started a skate group. You are the, not only are you on your powerlifting club, you are the president of it. In a sense, you said, how important is it as a queer person, a black queer person, to not only be in the space, but to also, in a sense, set the tone for where the club goes forward and, in a sense, where the sport goes forward? You know, it's been it's been an interesting ride, especially being on the team for four years, because we've really grown from, like, eight members to now we have, like, 42. So it's, it's you know, we've really blown up. and. Miami University is also a predominantly white institution, so the black population here is really <laughs> slim to none. You know, we can fit all the black undergrads into a group chat <laughs> so we can you know, <laughs> you know, talk to each other. But um, it's been fun because now it's, I can, you know, now there's three non-binary people on the team. And, you know, when it was just me, it was just me. <laughs> and, you know, that's more growth than, than I you know, really expected. And to be honest, I feel like a lot of the people when we first started being like being a team, a lot of, you know, people like femme or female um, identifying folk or folk of color or queer folk were probably scared of the gym because it was a really white um, male or masculine dominated space. And now, you know, our girls team has really like blown up and you know like i feel like really the most surreal thing that for me is now there's like two other non-binary athletes in the space and you know we can kind of talk to each other <laughs> and you know like express like solidarity between like hardships that we face whether it's in the gym or like on campus in the classroom and um one of those one of the other athletes that's non-binary is also a person of color so like that was not like really like having this the gym and a space for the gym and i can tell that they both really appreciate it and we had we just had a we had a meet a, it was a usapl sanctioned meet and i know you know that's not my choice <laughs> um, you know usapl has its issues that i you know feel have no problem expressing my issues with them as well but seeing their like faces like light up because they were competing and setting PRs was like amazing. It was like probably one of the best experiences that I've had in college, like period. Taylor quickly thoughts on the USAPL's MX category. <laughs> um, you know, I, they established it last year and I just saw the first MX, like the first meet in Ohio to offer the MX category, like a couple weeks ago. So it's not accessible and it's bullshit. And, you know, it's really just, it's basically saying if you're trans, you can be in this category, but if you're on hormones or that's an absolute no-go, you can't be in this category. <laughs> so like, I don't know. I think it's really just performative act, uh, activism, you know, like trying to put out to the front that I'm an ally, but really you're just excluding and like isolating queer folk. A few months ago on the podcast, I, I had a queer fitness professional named Megan Crutchley on. 
and they are spearheading a project to revamp certification to include modules that look at LGBTQ inclusion, especially towards trans and non-binary inclusion in the sense what fitness professionals and coaches need to know. For all three of you, what is something that especially fitness professionals, coaches, administrators in governing bodies, what's one thing that you tell them if they were sitting in front of you that they need to know and understand about trans and non-binary athletes and clients in a fitness space or in a sports competitive space? Safety is the number one thing. Like, um, I have a friend that just became a personal trainer and like they, uh, they had a, um, their first trans client and like, you know, they kind of, they told me that they thought of me, uh, when they were talking to this person, but like they said immediately when they asked, you know, what are your pronouns? Their whole body just relaxed. And it's like, you know, going into any situation, especially a gym, you never know if you're safe. I mean, shit leaving my house i don't know if somebody's gonna kill me just because they don't like that i'm trans but anything that can basically show that i am an ally i do support you this is a safe place you know and that will help open up whoever it is to be able to because honestly i lift more now on testosterone blockers than i ever did and the reason is is because i actually like myself and i feel safe and who i am now and so if you can open that up and you you can make it so that person feels safe i think not only the client but the um trainer will also um both grow and excel i think i would echo essentially what afton said and also i um the other big thing i think is like money and like how much training cost um especially mm. you'll see like i know scott percy is like a uh, trans man trainer just kind of posted something on Instagram about it, but you'll see these like trainers who are saying they're going to be like queer inclusive uh, or, but they're charging queer trans and people of color, like who are, you know, subject to all these in inequalities and barriers and living <laughs> and earning any type of income, you know, they're charging them like full price. And, you know, it just, that's just not something you can afford. I agree with what both, um, Taylor and Afton said, I think safety is like top priority. Like we need that. We deserve that. The money is the best thing that is going to help us, especially like people of color and historically excluded people, um, even within the trans community and, uh, our pursuits and strength. But I am also like a big advocate for, Black joy, POC joy, trans joy, and, you know, and I feel like this, in in a lot of ways, fitness and a lot of the things that can be beneficial to us, healthcare, all these other things, are important to giving us this time and space to experience joy. Weightlifting has been a lot for like my mental health, like my understanding of my identity and like finding space in my identity um, and the world. And I feel like it's really important that we be able to have those spaces in order for us to genuinely feel joy um, we talk a lot about 
the the bad things because they're obvious and daily and consistent struggles that we unfortunately deal with. Um, but I I want us to feel joy. We deserve that in um, any capacity. Now, by the way, Taylor, since you mentioned Scott Percy and Scott Percy, friend of the podcast, friend of world's strongest trans man, friend of the pot, friend of the podcast, great guy. Uh, we're going to post that Instagram post by Scott talking about these issues underneath this post on our Twitter page. But a little piece of what he said was, I'm so damn pissed off at the amount of trans trainers that use our community for the main source of income and charging folks well for $150 a month per client with little or no results from their clients or little or no experience training other people. My number one motivation is to take someone with problems and make them a better person all around. And my number two is to ensure that they know that they're taken care of when they hit me up for training. Sounds like Scott Percy. But with that in mind, since we're talking about trans community in this space, this is for all three of you. Just ring in because what's your thoughts on trans people in sports in the news this year? And it seems like all that news is people having the debate. What's your thoughts on it? Afton, I know you want to launch on this, and you were asking about this in the green room before the show. Um, man, there's a lot to say. There's just, there's so much. It's, it's really hard as a trans athlete because, like, I understand that I could be one of the only trans persons somebody ever encounters. There has to be a fine line for every trans person, period, to understand that, you know, we have to have kind of grace. Like, I, I feel like, I, and I tell everybody, like, you know, when, when people mess up, like, I have to have grace with somebody else if I expect to have grace given back to me. But in the same mm-hmm. sense, I have to know and understand that it is not my job to educate everybody. My mental capacity cannot handle that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. However, after um, a question, can you have grace that someone that keeps calling, that keeps referring to transgender women as biological males? Uh, I mean, I'm going to have grace with somebody. Um, but if it's like a continual thing, Mama Bear is going to come out and it's not going to be pretty. I don't, uh, I don't really back down from shit. Um, but it's like, I, I, I was really fortunate to do a, um, I don't know if you've ever heard the YouTube channel Jubilee. Yes. Um, but I did a show with them on trans athletes and cis athletes, like finding middle ground together. And yes, one of I the, saw that, and that was and oh, you were shit. really good on that. Oh, thank you. In fact, you. we're going to post that right underneath the when oh, cool. when this gets posted. We're going to post that because don't no, read I'm, the comments. Now don't I read realize, the comments. No, <laughs> I, never, I never read the comments. But no, I was wondering when I first saw you. I was like, wait a minute, I know this person. I saw that, and I saw yeah, that, and, and I saw and how so you. You'll know which what I'm talking about here, like because there, there was one of the cis girls that um, is a swimmer, and she was like, "Oh well, you know, there's this trans lifter that is like um, lifting in the Olympics, and they're like going in and they're just beating everybody up, and like you know they're they're winning and blah blah blah." And I'm like, 
like, I don't know where you're getting your facts from because when they went into the Olympics, they were lifting a hundred kilograms, kilograms less than the top competitor going in. Like they weren't really even in contention for the medal. And by the way, the green hair was kind of cool. Uh, thanks. It's, it's <laughs> the still there, but it's just really fading. Yeah, <laughs> the green hair was kind of cool, but no. But that's another thing, Taylor. I want to throw it to you for a second on the kind of on this same thing. There's a lot of talk about non-binary athletes. Where do we place non-binary people in all this? How can this work? How should this work? I feel like athletes should just be able to self-select into whatever category that they want to compete in, and I think. You know, I think a lot, a lot, a lot, a big issue also comes to the point where it's just like a non-binary category isn't offered. So then athletes will just kind of sit like for me, example, I just compete with the, the men and USBA because there's just not a non-binary category. And like, you know, that's fine for me with me at the end of the, with me at the end of the day, because the reason I'm out there lifting is just because like I really enjoy it. And like, I just want to, you know, lift and get see if my lifts are get white lights or red lights you know that's kind of what i want at the end of the day but as far as like i don't know i think it's the future of sports with non-binary athletes i don't know it just depends on what where everybody wants to take it because if everybody wants to just continue with the status quo i think that's something that could easily easily be done but if there's enough people to kind of be there kind of fighting for like either a new category or like changing the way that we how we operate with sports as a whole you know i think it just depends for all of you i want to look at i want to bring a little trans joy into this competing as myself has given me the greatest joy of my life diario what do you think it will be like for you when say you get in that skating competition or you decide you know what i want to you know i want to try this powerlifting meet this weightlifting meet i want to try this here what do you think it'll be like for you to not only step on to that stage, but also step onto that stage with pronoun Z Zimzir, being you? As someone who has always been the artist, like I've, I, this is the first time that I've ever really like been called an athlete. And I was like, oh no, I'm an athlete. Like I'm, I'm doing things. <laughs> and like, I prove that every time I go to the gym and uh, I work out and, you know, like have these conversations with other um, athletes and just that in itself is already a very, like, it makes my heart very warm and really light. And so um, I really enjoy that. But I feel like once it comes down to the point of me actually performing with my pronouns and being my most authentic self, like, I'm, I'm already pretty unstoppable, but like, I, I would be like unstoppable. Like I don't, nobody can tell me anything cause I'm being who I am. I'm doing this for me and I'm going out to achieve like as much as I possibly can. Taylor, give me your best moment since joining Miami's powerlifting club and being in competition. What was, what was that moment like for you? Um, so like I said, I, uh, competed, you know, what month is that? November? <laughs> um, yeah, I competed in November at a meet and that was my first meet. And since I started home hormones, so then, and then COVID happened. So I, the last time I competed before that was probably December of 20, I don't know, what does that mean? 2019? Oh, that, and like, that's 
crazy. I, um, so like I, I got back on the platform and really just being there was meant everything to me. And my favorite lift of the me, I, I hit a 561 squat and I had more lift in the tank. <laughs> um, so like, that was that was surreal for me my dad was there that was his first powerlifting competition that he's ever been to so like that was cool um there was some lifters from this other gym that i lived at that were there like uh, so i had like you know nine people and including the two of the people from the miami miami club team that were there you know just like supporting me for like who i am and like they knew me and like that was surreal and i was putting my bench shirt i was taking my bench shirt off and like you know i just had my i have like i had top surgery so i had like my scars out i'm like that was it was just like nothing no nothing really no sort of hesitation crossed my mind and then like after that after I like changed my shirt and everything scott scott percy was actually was at that meet with the skyler because that's his client and he was like you know dude like trans like i saw you i like saw your scars and like that was my first time i've ever met like a trans person like other than me like so that was awesome like i couldn't have asked for a better first meet back out these numbers are unreal they're very impressive 562 squat 303 bench 529 deadlift you got swole that day <laughs> Yeah, that was both. like wow, the thirteen ninety four total. Did yeah. did that just exceed your expectation? What's your thoughts when you see numbers like that? And that was at, and also added to had top surgery, started HRT, really on the road to those steps to where what you see in your mirror matches what's been in your head. When you um, see it, when you take all that encompassing, what does it mean when you see those numbers like that and you have performance like that? You know, it really doesn't, I don't know. It's just hard to conceptualize. Like so people will ask me before the meet what my last PR was. And I was like, I don't really know well, why. <laughs> like, I have no clue. I'm just really going out there to put everything I can on the platform. And like, to be honest, like that day, like I didn't perform how I wanted to, like I had to face some I had to adapt with like the bench and, and on deadlift. And my main goal was to qualify for the IPL North America championships. And I fell a little short of that, but like, I'm probably going to compete again in February and I have no doubts that I'm going to hit the QT and like, that's going to mean everything for me to qualify there as like, as the person I am holding my identities. And like, even when I was beating up on myself, you know, that's when I kind of had to step back and be like, you know look where you were and like compared to where you are now and like really it was my two friends on the team um also waterball and maddie fitch and they've been with me through my like hormone journey my transition journey like they've been with me since i was a freshman and they just graduated and like it was crazy to have them there and they were like they told me like they said like we've been watching you like add like plate by plate like building that brick by brick i was like you know that's true I'm, like I was like, you know, like, let me, like, let me pat myself on the back for a minute. I'm like, I'm pretty cool. <laughs> I know tra trans folks celebrate your wins. Let's celebrate our wins. Afton, yeah. I want, Afton, before you answer, I want to hit you with a quote. I want you to hit you with a quote from a friend of the show to kind of give this a little bit of context. Juniper Simonis, good friend of the show. Three-time world roller derby world champion, been a part of a number of, played in a lot of big games, been a part of a lot of big moments in the sport. 
They say very often, yes, I am trans. Yes, I run different pronouns. And yes, I am a three-time champion and I dominate and I don't apologize. When was your moment for you on that track when you felt that way? I don't know. I kind of, because like I, I, I moved up really quickly through my, my local league. Um, I think between the time I first put on skates to uh, when I actually made the team, it was only like a span of three months. I think what what the defining moment was is that when the team like, because we would have like our rookie class and then the vets would come in and practice and you know, I could go off to the side and do some stuff, but no one really, like not many of the rookies did, but I was always like, I would always after practice go and just sit there because I'm a visual learner. So I sit there and watch them as they would practice and I would run drills on my own um, and just do that. um, Just trying to work on, on who I am. So I think um, after my league kind of seeing the dedication that I have, like, and having like going into it, I was only maybe four months on hormones at that time but having like walking in still very masculine looking um and having them automatically address me as she her with my chose like my my name and that kind of stuff and seeing me as just one of the girls or one of the team like that was that was huge you know when i first came out um i said hey here's Here's my chosen name. Um, And like literally the first person that like commented on my status on social media used it. And it was just like this massive euphoria. Like this is me. This is who I am. And like being able to be included um, going into roller derby immediately was just like, it was unbelievable. However, uh roller derby as a whole still has a lot of work to do but it is a lot more progressive thinking than many other sports the problem i had after i had been in roller derby for a while is that i was so included in this so like you know we're practicing twice a week which is normally like two to three hours we hung out with each other all the time we would go to do games together you know after parties after the bouts that kind of thing so i'm always with these people it's my family um but in the same sense it's created that it created a bubble of like false safety because with them i'm just one of the people and then i would often forget that when i go back into the world people don't like me or people don't understand me. And so like, it was, it was great that I had that um, ability to, to have a starting foundation that was really solid, but it was also uh, almost too safe. If that makes any sense. One thing I want to get back though, get back on the mm-hmm. joy here and, and kind of get away from the platform, get away from the sports. Cause Diario, you said you're an artist. So what art are you, what art are you creating? This whole two years going on three at this point has been the process of me being like, well, how many ways can I interact with myself and then turn that into expression? Um, And so I like most most recently I'm like playing with modeling and playing with like visual arts that I never necessarily did or was always curious about and like, you know, never 
really grew or built on um like what part of the the use of this grant was me being like well i always wanted to be in gymnastics um so like let's let's try a gymnastics class i used to dance as a kid and then you know like dancing was always great but always gave me a little bit of gender dysphoria but i didn't understand that so i like kind of stopped doing it also because i was spending so much time on violin and so i was like i have to give up everything you know and so like really this this last like year has just been like tapping back into myself and trying to like experience that and explore it in different ways and, and so that's also a large part of like the gender affirmation now I know who I am and like, I might like play with aspects of femininity. And so that's always an interesting thing. And like a thing for me to process, I think. Um, so like, even as I'm like, I'm getting swollen, and I'm starting to like experience and understand like more masculine aspects of me that I never really gave myself the opportunity to explore and experience, but then also being like, Oh, well, I always really enjoyed this. And, you know, so like, I don't know. It's a very, very broad, um, I guess, experience of art or expression of art. But that's that's how I feel. And that's where I am in life. Afton, what are some of the things you're doing kind of away from roller derby and away from lifting? Things that are bringing um, you that trans joy? So it's I have been starting to write some music again. It's It's been hard because... Uh, I actually have a music degree from college. And so like it was, it was my entire identity before I transitioned. So because it was so much of who I was, I didn't know. And the only reason I used music was for my faith. I didn't know. And I still don't really know how to use it. Uh, I am using it. So I'm, I'm writing a lot more like very, very dark um, stuff, but it's, it's been very therapeutic for me. It's almost like I'm using it within my counseling as well to try and get some of the emotions out, work through some of the stuff that's happening in my head, uh, some of the things that I'm feeling, um, as well as, uh, I also do some, uh, I got, I was fortunate enough like a year, year and a half ago to get in with some photographers in the local area. And I do some modeling. I've done like boudoir, I've done skate shots. I've done, um, you know, all sorts of different kind of like different photo shoots. And it's, that is so cool because it's really empowering to see yourself in a way that it's not the mirror. It's in a way that somebody else sees you on a daily basis that you just don't happen to see often. Um, so between, um, music and, uh, like doing photo shoots here and there, uh, I love like I just like creating something from nothing. I, I like I'm that kind of a, a creative type person. For you, quickly for you, how how was it seeing yourself in a picture, especially because I noticed that word boudoir came up. Yeah, especially with all the work you're doing in the gym. Mm -hmm. Full disclosure, I'm looking to do a shoot like that in 2022. I will, yes. come right, I, will, I will. I will come out with that. I will come out with that. What was <laughs> it like for you to see um, that, and and alongside the work you're doing in the gym, which so I actually just did one last week, um, this past Monday, and um, it's the first uh, bedouin shoot that I've ever done 
since top surgery too. Um, and so like when I got them back, uh, I got, I haven't gotten them all back. I've gotten a couple back, but when I got one of them back, like just the lighting in the room and uh, like the way my body looks muscle wise, as well as even though I have more muscle, like, honestly, I think the more muscle I gain, the more feminine I look. So, I agree like, with that. You, yeah. when I, so, the more in shape I got, the more things got curved. See, this is trans mm. to, 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 to our cis allies who are listening <laughs> to the show. This yeah. is trans. You are getting trans joy right now. Yeah. That's what, yeah. do not be alarmed. These are trans yeah, folks so like, loving themselves. It is okay for us to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I like, I don't know, seeing, seeing those pictures of right. like my, my body forming and seeing more of what I feel like I should see as well as still being able to see that femininity. It's like, I don't really even have words to be able to describe something like that. Honestly, I feel the same way. Getting back into your body has made div. I mean, it's paid dividends just mentally, psychically, spiritually. But Taylor, I want to get back to you because you, I mean, look at your bio, your renaissance day. That's what it is. First off, cooking. Now, if I was rolling up to Taylor Selman's house, what would you be, what's your go-to dish? My go-to dish, uh, Mm -hmm. like rice and like black beans and chicken, peppers and onions and guacamole. That's now, like my go-to meal. See, <laughs> see, I'm hungry. See, my stomach just growled hearing that. <laughs> right but now, what's the now? What's the post mat? I'm wondering what would be the post mat celebration meal when you put up numbers like the ones you put up at the um when you uh, you put up back in November. Um, it's funny because it's like the same, basically the same thing. But like after that meet, I just went to Chipotle because, <laughs> and I was like, this is all the carbs and all the fat and all the protein that I need right now. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to pass out for seven hours. And I did. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, once again, for all those listening, this is tra- You're getting trans joy near Christmas time right now. And it's great to see it. I mean, this has been this has been one of the most trans joy interviews we ever had. I would I would just say that up front because that no, we need more of that. Like I said, we need trans communities. We get so much. We so much is centered around our losses. So many. So much is centered around our struggles. When we can celebrate wins, let's celebrate some wins. Last question. Pool for Pride scholarship. Because we're heading into 2022, the application process will start again. And just a note for everybody, notes on how you can be a part of it, how you can donate to it, and how you can enter in to try and get a Pull for Pride scholarship next year, get grant aid, will also be put underneath the post here on Twitter. And more information will be at our Instagram site. Transporter Room 10 Forward as well. But if there's someone out there who is like yourselves and didn't know about this and are hearing about this for the first time now and they're not sure, why should they apply and do this and pursue this grant program? 
Uh, I'll, I'll hit that real quick. Um, so I just auditioned for a second sponsor for skating. And there's a lot of my friends who um, automatically were just like, I don't think I'm good enough. I, I can't do this, like that kind of thing. The answer will always be no if you don't try. Always. You, and, and you never know what the outcome is going to be. I didn't make the team. Like I, we just found out yesterday who made the team. I didn't make the team. But in the same sense, I met, I don't know, seven new skaters that I didn't know that I'm getting a lot of inspiration from that I'm having like community with almost on a daily basis through Instagram and, that, and social media. And um, it's, all, it's, it's a growth thing. Like, like I said, like the answer will always be no if you don't take the chance. But if you take the chance, the answer could be yes. And even if you don't get a, a yes answer, you're still growing. You're still putting yourself out there. You're still like, um, I don't know. There's, there's, there's just so many aspects of like learning to take those those baby steps and and taking chances where um, where you wouldn't normally. And it kind of and doing so will show you that strength doesn't always tend to have to be in muscles, but it could be in journeys as well. Taylor Diario, how about you? You know, I basically would echo the same things Afton said. I mean, what went through my mind was like, you know, if I don't apply, like I'm not going to get it. And if I do apply, I could get it. So really just like pushing yourself to, to take steps forward, whatever direction that may be. And like, I also like every time I like apply for something, I like, I don't know, I think that's just very powerful, like looking back on history and like thinking about like what our queer and trans ancestors did just for the fact that we can have like pull for pride as like a foundation and we can like have the scholarship just for queer trans people of color, you know, I think that's really powerful and, you know, you're here now, you're, you're existing, you, you're eligible, like, you're an athlete and this found this scholarship was made for you. So like, why not? The first thing that comes to mind is that like, you owe it to yourself to try and you owe it to yourself to believe in yourself. And that's honestly for me too, because like I'd be struggling, but like it is, it's so important. Um, and also I think I'm, I'm really passionate about community and like building that community, I feel like a lot of us come from places and environments where we either didn't have community or didn't have a great supportive community or family or whatever. And so having spaces like this that are meant for us um, or even creating those spaces that are meant for us is so important. And so because it means that there are other people that can help you that you can help that you can find inspiration from that that you know that you have support and people in your corner yeah can i add one because you want to yeah like, sure, go I, right I ahead like i feel like um if you're fortunate enough to be out like we're still trying to pave a way we're still yeah. trying to get people to to understand who we are and that we're just simply human just trying to exist yes um, but if you're if you're able to pave a like we're, we're paving a way right now. So if you're able to fortunate enough to be out, like who knows who you could inspire? Mm -hmm. Who knows who you could be touching? That's like 
in the closet or somebody that like sees you and and is like oh it really is doable and it really is okay to be my genuine self whatever that looks like i can tell you this made my heart sing having this time diario i'm looking forward to your first competition if you choose to do it but in the meantime you keep reaching out and keep building structure that matters yeah. And, and Taylor, you do, hey, keep doing your thing at Miami of Ohio. I'm going to tell you what, as, if the at some point I got to get out to Ohio and actually see you as a president, not only running the club, but also competing. In 2022, we're making that happen. And Afton, you just keep doing you. Keep doing, <laughs> no, I'm saying keep doing you. From the Jubilee episode and beyond, keep doing you. And I'm going to be picking your brain about like being a model. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to do pictures. this. I'm going <laughs> to. I am going to do this. So no, thank you for the trans joy. Yeah, thank you all for the trans joy. I mean, this was a this was the Christmas gift I needed right at this moment with so much that's been going on and so much. And so much trans nervousness and fear to have this moment of trans joy with you all. I thank you for it. And I'm going to beam you all back down. I want to thank Afton Brooke, Taylor Selman, Diario Epiphany for being on the Transporter Room this week. And I want to thank all of you who week to week throughout this year of inclusion that's given the time of your week spend it with to spend it with me and if there's something you want to see or something you want to say about what we do here by all means leave a message on our twitter page leave a message on our facebook page and leave a message at our instagram presence transporter room 10 forward everything i do here i do it for you the people who support us that's the transporter room for this week i'm carly chardonnay webb live long and prosper and steady as she goes i'll catch you next week